Hey, welcome. It's Thursdays, and we don't know what the rest of the title is because we don't have one yet, but you're going to help us. We're so glad you're here. I'm Matt Downing. I'm the student pastor here, and to my left, we got McGinty, our connections pastor, and we've got our senior pastor, Pastor Wes Wilkinson. What's up? Yeah, we are so glad you guys are hanging with us today. Thank you for checking us out. And um, what we're going to do today is we are going to look at five tensions to live out in light of Christ's imminent return. So, guys, last week we talked about heaven. This week we're talking about Christ's return. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the end of the world in pop culture. That's what we're going to start with, talking about movies and maybe some quotes. And then we're going to uh, we're going to get more into some uh, deep dive theological stuff. So... All right. Some solid application. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, where it comes from is, is obviously in Sunday Sermon, one of the things we hit is this idea of standing firm is tied. Our ability to stand firm is tied to this eager expectation of Christ's return. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, as I said last week, sometimes you finish preaching the sermon and, and you've hit what you need to hit, but you realize due to just the constraint of time and things, man, I, there's a question I didn't get to flesh out as much as I would love to, of which in this case is, uh, what does it look like practically? What does it look like practically to, to really live e- eagerly in light of Christ's return? So that's where where we're going. By the way, that's not what we did this morning on our We Ones field trip to the <laughs> yeah, sanctuary. Good I didn't, job I on didn't, the field trip, by the way. I didn't quiz them on the end times. I just was... No eschatology quizzes for no, three-year-olds? No, uh, I just was trying to <laughs> get their names, and I got about half of them. And so like, you gave them like a tour of the church and yeah, told yeah, well, them what they, you did. They were and... going to go on a, a tour of the whole the whole church the whole church building across the street um swim i was there the, primarily for swimming the in the baptistry sanctuary. yeah I, d- I didn't stay for that part uh, well, no we took them down front the had them sit down <laughs> sad right. part is that's we know that there's kids who've cannonballed into the baptistry <laughs> not at our church choir took the brunch of it you yeah. get on youtube and nor me they're cannonballs <laughs> uh no, even as a pastor's kid you never cannonballed into no the- but we did film in high school we filmed on the day after easter when school was out we filmed the original star wars episode seven oh. <laughs> and there was a lightsaber fight that definitely went through the empty baptistry okay i'm thinking we need to see some of this i do have that one the still. lost okay. found footage of yeah. wes's <laughs> shenanigans yeah i was i'm not in it i'm filming the whole time oh okay I'm, I'm pulling the George Lucas card. You there directed you it? go. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, we made cool. every bit of it up as we went. No script. Just Which is why when ad-lib. we finished fighting through the baptistry and watched on the camera, we all thought, we didn't think that through. We were just literally fighting through the hallway, and we just went where we went. And Okay. What music did you use to it? Oh. Did you use Duel of the Fates? They just dropped yeah. the new Kenobi trailer, yeah. and they used yeah. Duel of the Fates music, which is super cool. We used Duel of the Fates and Battle of the Heroes. Yeah. Well, speaking yeah, of Star Wars, um, <laughs> I'm going to say the world. This. Yeah, end of the world, end of the Jedi, or whatever, what have you. And the galaxy far away. What are, you know, we all have our favorite movies or pop cultural references or songs that have to do with the end times. So, Matt, what is your favorite, like, end of the world? Not, it doesn't have to be end times, like biblical, but like just the world's coming to an end. Your favorite movie or song? What you got? Um, does Armageddon count? It's, it, well, it's almost kind of? end of the world. Sure, getting... that's a phenomenal instrumental soundtrack. Yeah, yes, for sure. The soundtrack on it is legit. I would say, I would say Armageddon, um, Independence Day. I don't know if that counts, but uh, I was thinking about this earlier today too. Uh, Wally. Yeah, um, that's true. Disney <laughs> Pixar, like 
that's the end of the world, but it's like, what would happen if... Good reference yeah, there. Yeah, so that's just me. But how about you guys? What do you think, Wes? What's your what's your favorite end of the world movie? Well, or, that, or Matt's answer's kind of thrown me for a loop because I normally wouldn't have probably thought of end of the world movies as Armageddon or Independence like, Day, but these big catastrophe movies. Yeah, yeah. I, I just like Day After Tomorrow and stuff like. I just That's never, I never watched those. Like, yeah, I just wouldn't really. I'm a sucker for a good disaster film. I don't know why. My thing. Yeah. <laughs> it I, felt like we were living out the see, Day I, After Tomorrow during Snowvid. I've never seen Wally, so I, I maybe I have what? no maybe I have no favorite end of the world movie. Wes, you, you gotta go watch Wally. That good. is that is excellent sci. That is a sci-fi. I mean, even if it's not, it's animated. Yeah. I mean, it is just excellent sci-fi. Great it's social commentary too. Uh, but yeah, you, well when done. you're having a hard time staying awake tonight, with <laughs> Jesse, pop, pop Wally in. Pop Wally. Yeah. Pop some Wally in. That, it'll be Dory, not Wally, if it's with Jesse. <laughs> yeah, get those fishes. Something tranquil yeah. about that. I love. This is really random, but I love the movie Knowing. It was directed by uh, yeah. Richard Prius or Prius or um, maybe Richard's not his first name, but it's called Richard, Knowing. Richard Pryor? No, no, no <laughs> not Richard Pryor. Pryor. Uh, but it has Nicholas Cage and the idea is like his daughter or his son is able to read these numbers and interpret that it's every number represents a significant catastrophe and then the numbers end. What happens when the numbers end at the end yeah. of the world? And so what's really, it's this creepy, destructive movie, but it's actually fairly appropriate and it, um, it, what I love about it is one, the world actually ends. The world, everything is gets destroyed. So it actually deals with the end of the world, and they take the imagery from Ezekiel, the wheel within a wheel, and these angels, and they they take certain children to a new heaven and a new earth at the end, end of the movie. That's it. So it goes from this creepy like thriller, political sort yeah, of yeah. sci-fi suspense movie, and then all of a sudden it just switches gears in the last like ten minutes to like spiritual sci-fi what's the in their 90s movie like is it deep impact where the asteroid oh. hits and like obliterates there was two asteroid and movies in one yeah, year yeah. it was deep impact and armageddon and deep impact impact i think it was produced by steven spielberg yeah it was not great it yeah. was it was so cheeseball i just remember i saw a clip on tv one time and the kids are running away to high ground and mom and dad get obliterated by the yep by the uh, people at times. Maybe that's why I don't watch Into the World movies is because they're all really depressing. Yeah, right. They can be, you know, it's especially if you watch any kind of Japanese Into the World thing because they are not afraid to end any of their, like, their movies with, everyone's dead. We're good with that. You know, like, it, it, on a depressing note. Like, yeah. it's so postmodern. All right, so we've got um, some interesting quotes here. I've curated, I've hand-curated these quotes about the end of the world. Some of them are uh, insightful. Some of them reflect some poor philosophy, and we're going to quickly interact with these quotes. So, you guys ready? Sure. All right. We've got eight intriguing end-of-the-world quotes. First one, what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls the butterfly by Richard Bach. Now, I don't know who Richard Bach is, but I thought that was kind of an interesting quote. Here's my beef with the quote. The caterpillar doesn't die. It's not the end. There you mm. go. Don't buy it. It's trans, transmorgified, trans, Met- metamorphosized. Yeah. Hey, we get new bodies, right? At the you know when when Christ returns, a resurrection. So, you know, it seems like everything's gonna die and change, but who knows? What do you think, Matt? Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> and deep thoughts by Matt. I think uh, I think we've exhausted that. So, all right, next quote. Yeah. They say the captain goes out with the ship. So when the world ends, will God go down with it? Fallout Boy. 
Well, let me answer that question for you there, Fallout Boy. No. <laughs> God won't go down with the ship. Heck no. Yep. No, for he sure. will not. Uh, he is the master of the ship, but he's going to make a new one. So, yeah. Yeah. So he's also the ship builder. Yeah. That's right. There you go. All right. Next quote The end of the world is on people's minds. We have the power to destroy or save ourselves. But the question is, what do you do with that responsibility? The brilliant and ever insightful. Nicholas Cage. Is this like an actual quote from him or is this a movie line? See, that's what I'm wondering. Is it, I, I need to research this and Google this. If he actually said this, maybe in an interview as he was maybe talking about the movie Knowing, or maybe he was also in that Left Behind remake um, oh, yeah. with Nicholas Cage, which yeah. I think has like a three or 4% on the tomato reader. Yeah. So quality. Matt, what you think? Well, I think obviously that we don't have the power to save ourselves. There you, you go. Um, so that, that, fallacy there but yeah i mean um yeah so i guess i guess since that's the that's the case and it kind of makes null and void the last part of it the what do you do with that responsibility and um yeah the end of the world is definitely on people's minds first part of that is definitely true yeah so especially if you have a movie that comes out every summer where the world end ends then you definitely is always put in front of you for her all right next quote the end of human race is just part of an endless life cycle i don't know who toba beta is by toba beta <laughs> toba beta i don't know who that is either but i thought it was reflective of a particular philosophy um yeah, i was about to say like my instant my instant reaction to that is either you're going more of an evolutionary vein evolving from one to the other or yeah you're going more of an eastern an eastern it's like a new age new vibe age, to it. uh reincarnation mm-hmm. part of the yeah um it, Maybe there's a little bit of both wedding together, but that's my instant thought. All right, next quote. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with a whimper. T.S. Eliot. I've heard that. Like, it's a famous quote. Okay. So, so here's I'm my, sure it's been used in a movie. Here's my it thing It has, actually, a couple times. In one sense, no, it definitely ends with a bang because Jesus comes back. But in yeah. another sense, let's be honest about the final battle. <laughs> it's not it's much competition. It's not going to be Lord of the Rings epic, drawn out. It's, yeah. it's going to be... Bye. Yeah. I mean, he says he, 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 he slaughters him with a breath, like, whew, yeah, done. So not with a whimper, but with a breath or with a sneeze. Well, and they're in the with enemy's whimper. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like um, Superman sneeze in Superman 3 when he destroys the bowling alley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. A bit like that. And just, wow. Is that a fair comparison? No? I yes? I've seen that movie in 30, By the way, I asked, one of the, I, asked one prior of the, reference. I asked one of the kids today what a... Any of you playing the instruments? And two kids raise their hand and they said, Spider-Man, Superman. And I said, I can play those instruments. Yeah. I can thwip all day, baby. Yeah. Thwip, thwip, thwip. Yeah. That was, I thought it was pretty funny because you're asking three-year-olds to play instruments. Like, I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I don't even know, I know what it. an instrument is. Um, anything I bang two sticks on, which I got to play the drums today. That was fun. I won't. Who normally plays the drums at church? Is it? It's Ken. Ken, yeah. Yeah. I won't tell him. Oh, wait. I just did on the podcast. Sorry, yeah, Kim. I touched your drumsticks. <laughs> All right, uh, here here's another one. God knows when the end of the time end of time will come. Not some fanatic. The world will end someday, but the end of the world and the end of time are two different things. Dolly Parton. Dolly, I think this problem probably comes the closest to hitting yeah. some good it's stuff. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. No, God says nobody knows but Him. 
That's right. True. The world will end, uh, but depending on how you want to get in your definition of time there, the reality is time for those of us in Christ, uh, we, it's why his reason is called eternal life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I've heard that someone described that time is a social construct. You know, it's what we've created to understand the passing of events. So who defines time in all reality? Well, God is, and he transcends it as well. So in time, in the sense that we understand it, will probably change. But ultimately, events will still pass on yeah. in light of how God wants it to. Well, the the whole end of the world, I mean, that's, um, yes, it will be the end of the world as we know it. But um, Cue like the REM talk, song. Like we've talked about, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth yep. where God will uh, restore, make right what? All right, two more quotes. Quote number seven. I do not know what weapons World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Albert Einstein. I mean, I don't know if we're going to have a World War III or IV. (laughs) Hopefully it won't come to that. But uh, if if God does allow both in terms of not coming back soon, I'm not sure Albert's wrong there. Yeah. If everything gets decimated and society gets obliterated, then um, we can get back to the Stone Age pretty quick with some of the weapons that are out there today. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, scary thought with everything going on in Ukraine and and all that. Mm-hmm. Definitely on our minds. All right, last quote I got for you, and this one is a winner, folks. You ready for this? Here we go. The only thing that is the end of the world is the end of the world. Barack Obama. Of course, it's Barack Obama. Super, super <laughs> smart. The I mean, I, ever <laughs> insightful. I can't argue with the logic. The only thing that truly is the end of the world is, in fact, yeah. guess what? A so. equals A and B equals B. Mic drop. There we go. Done. All right. Well, hopefully this quote <laughs> were insightful or we provide a, a different smattering of different philosophies and ideas out there when it comes to the end of the world. And we'd like to hear your thoughts about what you think about the end of the world, maybe some cultural references that you've heard, maybe have questions about. Right now, we're going to take a quick break, and we are going to come back, and we're going to talk about the five tensions of what it means to live in light of Jesus Christ's return. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back in five seconds. All right, we are back from our eternal five-second break, and we are going to get into some really interesting stuff here. Pastor Wes, what do we got? Yeah, so I, I made mention of this earlier, but one of the questions that even in my own head, walking out of Sunday sermon, that I, that was is, okay, we're to live eagerly, longingly, looking forward to the return of Christ, or, or maybe maybe you've heard it. Uh, if you've ever been to a youth camp or a D now, you know, live in light of the end or live in light of Jesus coming back. And, um, and, and then sometimes we'll even address the fact that there can be these two goofy extremes of like, we don't live in light of his return at all. We're acting like the world, like there's no, nothing happening, nothing going or the other extreme, which is, well, okay. If I'm for real going to, then man, I'm, I'm charging up everything. I'm taking off. I'm sitting on the lawn chair. I'm, you know, whatever, because <laughs> Jesus is about to come back. So nothing matters. And, uh, which is precisely what Paul jumps on the Thessalonians for, yeah. uh, in, in, uh, first and second Thessalonians, or I guess more so second Thessalonians. And so, um, you know, the question, what, what does this look like real practically fleshed out in my life? And so that's that's really what the conversation is here. And so we we've had some discussion kind of behind behind the scenes and and, and talking through a couple of what do we see in scripture, what's there, and, and kind of 
try to kind of consolidate it into five, kind of roughly five, kind of five categories here. So we'll go with this. Category one would be this. It's the idea of, of living a peaceful and tranquil life, attending to the work of your hands, doing so in godliness and seriousness. That's obviously um, a little bit of 1 Thessalonians 4, 11, and 12. That's a little bit of 2 Timothy 1. Uh, or two, one through two, and and in First Thessalonians, that's right before he talks about what it's going to look like when Christ comes back. But this idea that um, God has called us to work, God has called us to labor, and that calling is binding for as long as we're on this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the tension there? So God has called us to faithfully work and be involved and to really be productive with our lives, but we were talking about these five tensions because there's these sort of, we can drift to either extremes or, you know, walk on a tightrope to some degree if we hold to both sort of elements of these things. So live a quiet and peaceful life, but what, what's sort of the opposite side of that? I think that the tension would be, well, the tension would be in light of Christ's return, this attitude, which ironically some in the the Thessalonians struggled with, which was, well, Jesus coming back. So let me quit my job. Let me, yeah. let me, you know, let me pull away. Let me do that. You know, kind of these, you know, as Paul even obviously in second Thessalonians is going, look, some of you aren't working. And if you're not going to work and you can, then don't give them any food. They don't deserve to eat. You know, like there's this, the, the tension then I think in, in light of turn of Christ is living a peaceful and quiet life, attending the work of your hands means practically paying your bills. Yeah. Taking the trash out, washing the dishes. How could some people take the quiet and peaceful part a little bit extreme? Like, does that mean just, hey, keep your head down, don't make any waves in society? Like, what what is that yeah, sort of referencing? And, and obviously we know it's not just, man, just be a shy person and make sure no one. Because Paul's the one who wrote it. Paul's also the one who gets thrown before mobs and who acts. Um, and I want to say it may have even been in Thessaloniki. Uh, where he gets dragged before, where they drag him before the governing officials there. I believe it's Acts 17. And, and they Googles say, these one. men who turned the world upside down are here. So obviously he's not saying that you can't, you, your life can't cause waves. I think what he is addressing, though, is um, be faithful to what God's called you to do. And what God's called you to do is is not to make much of yourself. Yeah, It's not to go out there and, hey, world, here's me. Look at me. Look at, you know, it's it's be faithful to do what God's called you to do. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think that's important too because um, in quiet and peaceful, we are we are to be the light of Christ and to share the truth, but to do it in a way that's not obnoxious, yeah. that's not a good way of annoying to people. Um, just, when people say like, "Hey, but the gospel's offensive, man." Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's a lot of times it's our approach that's yeah. offensive. So people use and, this as an excuse uh, to be not nice, right? Yeah. So, and I, you know, and I think with there, you know, the common in Thessalonians is pray for your, pray for your governing leaders so that you may be able to lead a peaceful and quiet life. I think it's this caveat in all godliness and seriousness. Yeah, yeah. And so the idea, the idea is, um, your aim is to make much of Christ, not much of yourself. Yeah. Part of making much of Christ. Paul's a tent maker. Yeah. I mean, so realize that tension. Paul is like, I am so ready for Jesus to come back. And my life is driven by the mission of God to make disciples of every tongue and tribe. And I'm a tent maker, which means, you know what, practically, Paul did a lot of sitting in the marketplace. Hey, do you need a tent? Yeah. <laughs> hey, let, let me make you a tent. Weaving that tent together. But he also yeah. got the opportunity to talk to people, make yeah. connections. So I think sometimes we have this mindset of, man, all Paul ever did, and therefore all we should do. 
is just magically walk around everywhere and only ever talk about the gospel. I mean, yeah, God sometimes may open up doors like that, but realize that that's not really factual to what Paul's life was like all the time. Hey, my first job, my first youth ministry job straight out of college was part-time. Of course, we know there's no such thing as part-time ministry, just part-time pay. Yeah. Were you making tents? I was not making tents. I was oh, okay. making coffee. I worked at Starbucks to get health insurance and moolah. And what was cool, though, is that Starbucks is like the third place. People come there. You get to hang out and have lots of conversations with people. So here I am a, as a youth pastor, but I'm also in the community making lots of connections and stuff. It was actually pretty cool. Um, I think sometimes as pastors, it's easy for us to kind of be in the, the church bubble, and it, we have to intentionally get out and be in the community and rub shoulders with everybody as much as we can. Um, well, the reality is all of us, pastors, not pastors, we've all got bubbles yeah. that need to get popped. True. And, and I think the tension here, just to kind of go back, because we got four more to hit, I think the tension here is just the point of living eagerly in the light of the return of Christ doesn't mean an excuse to not be faithful in everyday life that God's called you to. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. It doesn't mean, hey, Jesus, come back. So we're, we're not going to pay our bills, right? And, like, and we say that's crazy, but legitimately there have been people inside of Christian communities that have said, well, Jesus is coming back this year, and they have done stuff like that. Yeah. And that's clearly yeah. with this first tension of, yeah, Jesus is coming back, but that doesn't mean we get to not just be faithful in the everyday realities of work and life and labor that God's called us to. Cool. What's the next priority, uh, next tension that we have here? So second is the idea that in light of, and, and these are all these are all closely tied, and someone who's real nitpicky might even say they're all really in the same category. That's fine, but we're trying to give you five. We could have done four, but five just sounds five. better. Um, in light of Christ's return, it's going to mean in those daily life things, prioritizing what is on God's heart above what the world says ought to be prioritizing priorities. But also understanding it doesn't just mean you're just totally aloof. Mm-hmm. Like just like totally disconnect from any kind of things that people do, birthday parties and sports and plays and extracurriculars yeah. and, you know. And, and then some of this came, when we were talking behind the scenes, some of this came, there, there's a quote, and I believe you're friends with Shane mm-hmm. Pruitt. And mm-hmm. Shane, Pruitt's, Shane Pruitt's a, 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 <laughs> doing a lot of, <laughs> lot of youth and college work on a national level and um, posts a lot of things that I was like, man, that's what I was saying back in the day, but no one would listen. So praise the Lord, someone's still saying it, and maybe some are listening. You're not bitter. But he says, uh, parents, one day our children will also stand before King Jesus, and he'll care little about their grades, batting average, three-point percentages, yards per carry, popularity, college transcripts, class rank. How are we investing in their souls? And obviously I know the point. You and I, I mean, especially you, Matt working with mm-hmm. students, you know the point that he's trying to make, which is I watch so many parents – there is literally not a iota of time in their child's life to foster love for the Lord because it's all about you need to be in all these activities yeah. to build this imaginary resume, to get into this college, to get the six-figure job that'll set you for the rest of life. That you probably won't get. Yeah, that you probably <laughs> won't get. zero zero one percent chance of getting into a professional sports team. It's like astronomical. Yeah. And and so the, obviously the balance is, and and I think if we were to pre- press Shane for one, I know he would he would agree with this too. But the balance is, it's not that it's wrong to play basketball. It's not that it's wrong. In fact, God does care about your grades in the sense of God doesn't care what your grades are so much as did you do the best of your ability God has granted you. And so so there are things like that God does care about. But his point is the this drive that buys everything culture says. Yeah that says your future is tied to 
all of this and, and your kid's happiness and all of this instead of going, man, there's something more there. What are God's priorities in the life of a child? What are God's priorities in the life of a junior high and high school student? And I can tell you, God's priorities are not for that student to have no life of love for Christ. Yeah. I think we forget sometimes to tell people, listen, just because your time is very valuable, how we invest in it really, really significantly matters. Are you making time for the things that really matter to God? And on the flip side, kind of the balance we're talking about, if you are involved in sports, if you are doing these extracurriculars, or if you are, you know, have a hobby or what have you, none of those things are bad. The question is, how are you using it for the glory of God? Yeah. You know, because you can, you know, you're on a baseball team, minister to those people on your baseball team, you know, disciple people. If you're a coach, I mean, take the opportunity to to really feed into your players and, and teach them things, show them what it means to be a godly man hijack these things for God, you know, yeah. where you can have a tremendous ministry where God's, a, you don't know, say, Hey, I'm doing this. God, can you make it your thing? No, say, God, I'm doing this. How can it be your thing? And how can I make sure I'm, I'm balancing out my time with what I'm investing? But while I'm here being faithfulness, doing a good job, I want you to receive glory, not just by my efforts, but also, um, by reaching the lost, you know, yeah. and doing discipleship. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. You want to tag anything there? Man, I, I I just see it all the time. I see it with our with our students, and not just our students. But I mean, just you know, and in, in working with students for a long time, they are so busy and uh, they are so involved in, in so much. But I think that yeah, for parents to to realize that um, you know if this is going to be something where they've got to make a choice between the things of God, you know, and and being connected to church or being gone every Sunday, um, yeah. you know, that's a that's an issue. You know, and, and yeah. yes, you can use you can use your platform for God's glory, but um, but is it taking you away from the best thing? Well, I said God says do all things, yeah, and everything you do, do all things for the glory of God in Christ Jesus. Well, part of doing all things for the glory of God in Christ Jesus is that all things are in submission to the glory of God in Christ Jesus. True. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, and that's where you know some of those things go awry is we we don't have those those activities, those extracurriculars, those, and it's not just for teenagers, it's for adults, it's for grownups, yeah. it's for we don't have those things in their proper place of submission. Instead, they are in a place of exaltation that only our Savior should be in. And it's so easy to get busy. We think about our weekends. Oh, yeah. Go, man, we don't have any time for this or that, or you know, trying to make sure we have just have downtime as a family and you know, just getting things done. Uh, Cause we all have a lot of responsibilities we have to take care of. And it's easy just to just let things kind of take over. So to say the tension here is in light of Christ's return, we don't retreat from things we're involved in, but we do want to make sure anything and everything we are involved in is in its right place in the priorities of God. Yeah. And, and not letting it consume us to the point where yeah. all we can think about is getting that scholarship or all we can think yeah. about is winning that game and like for, but for what purpose, you know, like, why are you doing that? What, yeah. what's, what is ultimately important? There's a perspective and there's an attitude that's really key in how we view these things. That's yeah. for sure. Wes, what's uh what's the third? So um, third, tension? eagerly look forward to Christ's return, but don't forsake the good you can do now. And so the, the tension there is obviously Lord come back. Yeah. We man, Woo-hoo. the world's a mess. The only solution really is the gospel. And ultimately the gospel fully played out, which is the return of Christ, setting all things right, bringing peace, all of that. But just because that's ultimately where we're going doesn't mean there aren't good, real things we ought to be engaged in doing. Sure. Now. It's really easy to slip into the attitude of, well, if everything's going to, you know, heck in a handbasket and everything's going to get worse anyway, and I struggle with this too, like if everything's getting worse, why try to improve society? Well, you know? I th- 
Yeah, I, and the answer to that is because we are we're waiting for the kingdom to come, but in a sense, we are we are the kingdom here. Like we are representatives of God's kingdom. Waiting so, doesn't mean not doing anything. Yeah, yeah, we're we're called to to be that light and to be representatives of the kingdom to do the most good that we can. Obviously, knowing that you know there's only so much we can do with God's help, but um, you know God has called. He's He's left us here for that reason, not to constantly looking upwards and not doing what he's called us to do, but to, to minister and to be representatives of that kingdom. Yeah. And I think, I mean, first Peter four, uh, let me, let me pull it up. I wish I could tell you, I have all of first Peter memorized, but that would be a not truth. <laughs> a not truth. <laughs> Listen to first Peter four, verse seven. It's what it says. The end of all things is near. Yeah. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a gift, employ it in serving others as good mm-hmm. stewards. Mm-hmm. So wait, what is he saying? The end is near. Get busy. And what should you do in light of that? You should think straight. You should be sober in how you're praying. You should be loving one another well. You should be taking those spiritual gifts the Holy Spirit gave you and actually using them to build up the body, which in process demonstrates the glory of God out into the world. You know, it's interesting. We kind of betrayed the hand here a little bit, going back to that Nicholas Cage quote. Yeah. We have the power to destroy ourselves or save ourselves. The question is, what do you do with that responsibility? He said, well, we don't have the power to save ourselves. Ah, that's true on an internal sense. But the flip side of that quote is, we do have responsibility and ability to impact things. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Even take the current conflicts, right? If, if certain world leaders were being responsible, mm. there would be a cessation of certain world suffering issues right now. Yeah, it's true. And so there is a balance there of, yeah, what it, there's we are looking for the Lord to come back. But, but in looking for the Lord to come back, we are also representing him as ambassadors in the here and now, and we ought to be seeking and finding ways to do good. There's a really famous quote, and I didn't, I didn't realize who said it because I've heard it before. It's by Oliver Wendell Holmes. He's a like a... 18, a poet from the 1800s, he's a physician, and he said this, he said, some people are so heavenly minded, they are of no earthly good. You know, we can become so focused on Jesus is coming back again or on heaven that we forget our responsibilities and our opportunities here on earth to make a difference in people's lives. Well, what I think he picks up on is if we're really heavenly minded in the way that Paul talks about, we will be of the most earthly good yeah, yeah that's true we will be the most loving the most serving the most engaged the most with right priorities the problem is when we get misconceptions of heavenly minded and yeah. it's just oh well jesus is coming back and so i just it gives me a pat again it's the Thessalonians it's a mental problem. checking out it's, you know, it's a mental checking heavenly out. minded in the true biblical sense doesn't mean mentally checking out and say hey god what you're gonna do you're gonna do and i'm just here for the ride it means no how do i see my time here on earth through the eyes of heaven. How do I see my time here through the lens of Christ and what he wants me to do? And, you know, I've, I've heard that quote so many times. I, I, I think there are um, a lot of senior adults. I know, especially that are very heavily minded and and still doing a lot of good, but to be honest, um, it's kind of the reverse of that where, I, so many, so many Christians seem to be so earthly minded. minded. They're, yeah. you know, it's like the flip side is a major so, problem. So constantly focused on the things of this world and, and pursuing the things of this world that we forget about heaven. And so, 
I hear that quote and I'm thinking, man, I wish I knew more people that, <laughs> that yeah, a little more heavenly like minded. Right? When yeah. I'm on the bet, what he saw firsthand is the kind of pe- people that James talks about when it says, you know, someone says to you, you're hungry and you say, I'll pray for you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Instead uh, of, Oh, you're hungry. Here's, here's a piece of bread. Yeah. You know, like or people who I'll pray for you so, and give you a piece of bread. So spiritually, <laughs> spiritualize everything. Like everything's like so spiritually. Can we just talk in practical terms on yeah. what we should actually do and how we can actually be the hands and feet of Christ so yeah, Matt, your point—that's the real reason for this discussion—is the truth is most of us as believers fall into the trap of being so earthly minded yeah, sure. that the return of Christ is not actively influencing anything we do. Yeah. Oh man, and that's the danger, especially from Sunday. Is wait a minute, if my ability to stand firm in the Lord is in some way tethered to my eagerly longing for His return, yeah. well, no wonder so many of us don't stand firm in the Lord very well because most of us aren't very eagerly longing for His return. Right, this is true. Well, I think I think too with uh, with all this going on on in our world. I mean, it. it and, and I was thinking previous. I was talking more about the pursuits of the world, but now with the world situation, the crisis going on in the world, you know, people can get so bogged down, and and it, it is a little scary. You know, it is. Yeah. In, in thinking about what's happening, it's and, tempting to want to check and, out because of what you see. Yeah, and just and just thinking, man, this is this is it. Uh, world War Three, and um, and we're just we got to be reminded that. Um, Jesus and for Christians, it's it's going to be even more difficult as time goes on because we're we're going to, we're just Jesus told us that we would be hated in this world, um, but they hated him first. But he did say that we would overcome it just as he did. And yeah. Jesus also was clear, though none of us know the date or time. Yeah, he also said, "Look, the closer it comes, you're going to hear of wars, rumors of wars, yeah. plague, all of these things." And his in, and his statement was, "Don't be afraid." Right. Under the caveat of keep being faithful. Yeah. yeah. You're going to hear this stuff. Don't that's, be afraid. That's good. Keep being yeah. faithful. And it's that's interesting. There, there's, you know, working with college kids, you hear all sorts of things, some yeah. good, some bad, <laughs> some weird. But it's funny because a lot of college students get really frustrated when older people go. Um, and it typically is when things are not going well in the world. Yeah. The mm-hmm. economy's tanking. We don't like leadership. There's massive upheaval. This statement comes out from people who are older. Well, I'm just ready for Jesus to come back any day. Yeah. And it's and it's it's more of a cop out yeah. that the younger people hear and go, Well, wait a minute, like I haven't but I also married have yet. a desire to have a family and a job <laughs> yeah. and yeah. and how does that play in and, and do all that? And I think we we want us to be clear here. We're talking about being heavenly minded. We're not talking about any kind of a cop out answer. But a true longing that is there at all times, which I think actually I'm going to flip here, jumps us into what's the last category, which is um the, the tension of dying to the dream of utopia on earth mm-hmm. and, 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 and obviously not giving up working for good on earth. Yeah. yeah. We are ambassadors of the kingdom that is coming. We should be advocating, even though we know this world will never get to a perfect spot. We ought to be advocating for those things, which are good, but also understanding we're in a broken world. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to achieve utopia. Mm-hmm. Because this world is marred and broken by sin, and there's only one solution for that. In terms of cosmically, and, and he's he's on his way back. It's like you ever watched any kind of science fiction, and I remember this very clearly from my English class, my senior year in high school. My English professor, my English professor, my English teacher, Michael Esberg. You ever listen to his props? Uh, he would always say, listen, what we learn from watching science fiction or reading science fiction films or books is that with the elimination of freedom, 
Sorry, with the elimination of suffering comes elimination of freedom. Anytime we try to make a perfect society where no one suffers, nothing bad happens, we have to sacrifice freedom. And that means enslavement. That means giving up your rights. That means having some central government tell you everything and what you can and cannot do. Well, I mean, ultimately, is that not is that not what? And this is not to be nerdy here, but is that not uh, precisely what pulled Anakin Skywalker to the dark side? Sure, that was the promise of the Empire, right? If we're making some Star Wars. I'm scared of suffering. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use power to eliminate suffering, but I'm going to use power, which is actually going to cause suffering on people in order to eliminate the suffering I don't want. And Yoda's response is, sometimes on the road to avoid something, we meet it. Or <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's how the quote goes or something. But yeah, it's... Well, I think, yeah, and I mean, we all want the world to be a better place. We all, we all want to have that dream of, man, you know, if we could just get through this or things are going to get better in, you know, not trying to be morbid, but it's it's not going to get better, you know, because we're, we are in a broken world and the more we, the more we try to fix it, it's like the more of a mess we make because we're not, we're not working at it from. Right. I think we, understanding right. our limitations is really clear. Yeah. You know, like what can we fix over here or help and do or stop or prevent? Um, we think about the, the, the issue of, of abortion. Like, yeah, can we get involved with legislation and do things where we can stop and prevent that yeah. rescuing lives? Um, you know, are we going to fix everything through governmental means? No, you know, but can we fi- can we help people, the individual? Yeah. Can we make a difference? It's like the whole starfish uh, walking on the beach with the starfish cliche story, you know, to this one, I make a difference, right? Oh boy, you went there. I went there. Next I'll be uh, quoting footsteps in the well, sand, right? <laughs> please, please don't. Please don't. Uh, you know, but, there, but you think, you think of like, there, you want, you can go. You can go the route with with uh, with um, uh, with the poor, with with the, with famine, with um, with food issues, with disease, with different things. You know, think of the Lord's words. The Lord said, "Look, said you won't always have me right here. You'll always have the poor." Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting little statement. And I don't think Jesus's words at all mean, "Hey, you've always got the poor, so just don't care." That's not what yeah, he's saying. Yeah. No. That would go against the whole grain of what we see in the rest right. of Scripture. What he is making an interesting side point, though, is saying the reality is in this world because it is broken. Yeah. Because there will always be people in this world who reject the authority of Christ. This is true. There's always going to be brokenness present. Yeah. Doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to fix things. And I, and I see that a lot with younger people, too, this idea of we got to bring heaven to earth. Well, that's yeah. a dangerous concept. We should represent heaven to earth. Yeah. yeah. There's only one who can do that. But yeah. there's only one person who can bring heaven to earth yeah. in that union, and he's coming. And, the, and, and when we start to try to go too far with that mindset, we, interestingly enough, then start to get in theological and practical problems that take us down pathways that would actually reject True. the authority of Christ. And so... Um, so anyway, so all to say, the tension is realizing this world will never be perfect. Yeah. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be seeking to bring betterment and good, and, and for us as believers to do so as representatives of the coming kingdom. We're called to do that. We're called yeah, to absolutely. do that. It's not an option. Yeah. But we also don't put our hope for this world to be at peace. And then, True. Yeah, and well, it, now that was, if you're counting, that was four tensions. <laughs> we kind of, we, there was a fifth one, but we kind There's of... A fifth, well, I'm going to give you the fifth one real yeah, fast, but it's it. real easy. The fifth one is this. We got to live like Christ could come back at any moment, but that also doesn't mean that we don't plan for the future. Yeah. Right? Jesus is pretty clear. He can come back at any point. Yeah. In fact, really, if you study this stuff, he's going to come back at a point no one expects. Yeah. 
But should you have a retirement plan? Um, I'm working on that. But should you set money back? Should you save? Should you? Yes. How much? You know. You know. To what so degree? again, don't 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 steward your money as if money's your master, but steward it under the Lord. And just because the Lord's imminent return is coming, also doesn't mean. And that goes again. That's the only problem. They went, oh, Lord's coming back any day now. Great, I don't have to work. Yeah. Run the credit card. And Paul says, no, that's called laziness. And if you're going to be lazy, you don't eat. Yeah. yeah. So. And eating is kind of important, I hear. You know, you should eat. It is. You know, unless you're fasting, of course. Um, but yeah, that, these tensions, you know, think of a, a tightrope where if you don't consider both of these ideas and truths, it's easy to get unbalanced in life, to, to, to go to one extreme or the other or focus too much on things. And it's uncomfortable to live in a tension, right? But does God ever really, is, is comfort God's ultimate goal for us. If we're going through something difficult, you know, the Holy Spirit comforts us. That's that's one aspect. But to live a comfortable life, that's not our end goal. And well, these tensions well, speak to that to some degree. Yeah, I, th- I think the, um, again, if we're focused on heaven, we're focused on that kingdom. We're focused on the fact that I'm I'm here on this earth, but I'm working towards that. Like I'm, I'm working to, to uh, be a light, to be representative of God's kingdom. But... Knowing that with this world, yeah, is is my pursuit really trying to to make things better or to point people to Christ? Who he's the one that makes things better. But it, ultimately, you know, we know that we're going to live in that utopia one day on the new earth. Yeah. But until then, it's it's not going to happen. Well, and I think the thing the thing and the hope in in here in this discussion is to eliminate some of the tension that creates frustration and misunderstanding. Yeah. yeah. A healthy tension. Yeah. Uh, and instead go, because this is what kind of talked about, is in one sense there's a tension, but in one sense here's the real reality when you look at Scripture. We as believers should be driven by knowing Christ. Yeah. And part of being driven by knowing Christ means we are hungry, longing, expectant, craving His return. True. But in a way that when it's correct— I actually don't think it makes us have to live in tension. I actually think when we are rightly locked on his return, it's not a tension anymore between do I do this or not do this. All of a sudden, I'm able to do what I should do the right way. Like Mm -hmm. there will be freedom and passion, and we will not, there won't be a tension of, well, should I really have a family? Should I really love other people? No. If you have, if God gives you a family, you have a God glorifying family. Should you love other people, you should be most loving. No, 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 what you mean. I just, um, just saying kind of what's what's the ultimate hope here is I think yeah. is to eliminate some of the the thing that I think every kid who went to youth camp and heard live like Jesus is coming back and then went home and said, Well well, does that mean that I have to quit the baseball team or, or not? Does that mean that I I'm just supposed to you know, and all of a sudden it's almost kind of the option of either don't care, live like a pagan, or live like a monk. Yeah. Yeah. And neither of which are what it I should I think be. throughout scripture, you know, I think you're right. If you have the right perspective, you're not going to feel like you're living in a, a place of tension. But throughout scripture, we have these ideas that are sort of both sides of the coin. Like, yes, you're saved by faith, right? Uh, saved through faith, through Jesus Christ. But And then James, you know, it says, you know, <laughs> you know your works are testimony to your faith. You know, yeah. they're both true. And there's it's sort of these, they don't yeah. compete with each other. They complement each other. And I think that's yeah. an important thing. These ideas, they complement each other. And if we focus on one or the other, then we can maybe kind of deviate from course a little bit. And so we mean tension. We don't mean like an anxiety, yeah. you know, like living, we want you to live in anxiety. No, we don't want you to live in anxiety. No, rightly as Wes said, this is what God has for you. But these truths that kind of complement each other, it's sort yeah. of, you know, they work together, but sometimes they can feel like they're opposing each other, but in reality they don't. 
Yeah. You know? Well, and if heaven and, and what is promised to us is really that amazing that we're looking forward to, then we want to take as many people as we can with us. You right know, on. We want to we want to share that. We want to make sure people have that opportunity. And so well, speaking of that, we are out of time. I'm going to pray. It closes out in prayer and uh, we'll uh, wrap this thing up. Dear Father, we thank you so much for your word and how it directs us to focus on you. You've given us a clear idea of your character and your qualities, and you've promised you're returning again, and we thank you so much for that promise. We just ask that that promise would guide us, that that promise would give us the right perspective and attitude attitude in how we make our choices and priorities in this life. God, we confess to you we've not always made the right choices and the right priorities, but we want your spirit to direct us as we live out every aspect of what you've entrusted to us today. So Lord, we pray this in your holy and awesome name. Amen. Amen. All right, we got 15 seconds left on the clock. Oh no! Oh no, it's coming through. Good to the world! If you got a question, <laughs> feel free to contact us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like, subscribe, listen on whatever. Spotify, iHeartRadio. There's iTunes. a lot of them. All right, the we'll thumbs see Thumbs up. Ya. Give us a thumbs up. <laughs> it's t-